Welcome to the RunFit365.com podcast, episode 25. Booyah! Welcome to the RunFit365.com podcast, episode 25. I'm your host, Travis. Hey, this is Dan. Dan, all right. That's, uh, we're getting really smooth with that intro. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so this is a hot topic that we have set up for episode 25. Um, we're going to talk about tapering. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people right now getting ready for their... Um, spring marathons and um, you're at a crucial point right now in your training and um, you, you know you, you don't want to overdo it at this time and um, you don't want to underdo it either so I know you've got a lot of stuff in in your plans Dan so I'm anxious to learn um, and hear you talk about tapering mm-hmm. I bet it came up in conversation at least four or five times this weekend with Alyssa and I. <laughs> People are talking about it and like, you know, what's the right way to do it and how best to do it. So um, I think this episode will be beneficial to a lot of people um, getting ready, you know, for a marathon, maybe your first marathon. Yeah, it's very key. Um, it's a key topic and very important if you want to race your best. Cool. Um, also, uh, maybe we can talk more about this at the end after we talk about tapering, but um, you know, the t-shirt design uh, business, <laughs> we've got two t-shirts out there, and this has really been driven by um, a, a few emails that we've received about, you know, do you have anything t-shirt-wise that people could purchase and support RunFit? So we've got a couple out there now, and um, maybe after we talk about tapering, um, we can give you some more details on how best to get your hands on a, a an exclusive RunFit 365 t-shirt. How's that for a teaser, Dan? I think that's a great teaser. Everybody be hanging on now. Yeah. <laughs> we, we probably just lost everyone. <laughs> so, cool. All right, well, um, let's jump right into tapering. What, let's what, do it. What have you got lined up for us here? <clears throat> So we'll talk a little bit about kind of the the goal of the tapering, um, <clears throat> the marathon versus the half marathon because they're they're a little bit different. Talk a little bit about um, from a nutritional perspective what you're thinking of and and tapers as well as kind of go over some tips. So just to kind of get kicked off here, what are the goals? What are what should you be focusing on in the taper? And really. Up until this point, if you look at a good training plan, it kind of looks like a stair step, right? So if you look at the volume of in your each week building up to your race day, most of them look like um, stair steps. And actually, they look like a couple steps forward and then one step back and then a couple steps forward, one step back. And that one step back is really important throughout your, your training plan uh, because you need that recovery. But over time, over the you know, 12, 20, however, however long your training plan is, those weeks are basically accumulating fatigue. You get enough rest between those sessions um, to be able to adapt, but it still is accumulated fatigue. So you want to be able to maximize on all the work you've just done, and that's really where tapering comes in. So 
the, the primary objectives are to rest as much as you can and increase your rest, which gets your body ready. You want to, um, as part of that is maximizing your glycogen stores as well as, um, you know, accumulate, taking advantage of that accumulated fatigue. Those weeks of taper allow your body to rest and get its strongest. <clears throat> so those, those are really the, the main things, uh, the goals of tapering. If you look at, um, let's just start with the marathon. The marathon taper is typically a three-week period. And so, again, if you look at those stair steps, the very tallest step in the plan is basically the fourth, the four weeks away from your race. It's generally speaking the highest volume. You know, most people run their their twenty or twenty two miler in there, and it's it's just got a ton of volume to it. So what you want to do when you start to to taper is start to reduce the volume, and we'll talk kind of kind of through that. So starting three weeks out, you're going to and this is by the way. Just research I've done, I found lots of good material on this, and these this is how I've designed the plans, um, the RunFit 365 plans, um, is using the, this methodology. So there probably is some variation between coaches, but this is pretty standard and, and pretty uh, well-defined. Um, so the three weeks out the, is, is about 20% reduction in volume. So if you think about, you know, you've been running – some easy runs throughout the week, some long runs throughout the week, uh, maybe some moderate distance. It, everything's cut by about 20%. You remove the majority of your speed work. There, there can be some race pace sort of efforts in there, but you typically don't want to do anything faster than that. Your longest run for that week is typically around 12 to 14 miles, or if you're racing by, or if you're training by time, around two hours or so. And then um, typically in our plans is you're still training for the same amount, number of days. So if you've been training five days a week, you're probably still going to be training five days for that first taper week. So that, that basically takes you f uh, through the, the first taper week of the marathon. And then um, the second week out. So this is your second taper week and two weeks to go to your race. And this is about a 60 to 65% drop in your volume from your highest training week. So not the one we just did where it dropped by 20%, but you're dropping that, that tallest uh, volume week by about 60 to 65%. And this is really where you're going to focus on easy running only. You might have a little bit of race pace mixed in. In fact, we usually do. We have this... Uh, a run called the easy middle two where you have an easy run and you kind of put a couple, um, a couple miles or something within that run at race pace and that's okay. Um, but otherwise it's pretty easy. Those easy runs, your longest run for that week is typically around eight to 10 miles or around one and one and 15 minute, one hour, 15 minute run. And uh, we typically take an extra day off. So again, if you were running five days a week, this is where you might be running four days a week. You're, you're reducing it by uh, uh, basically one day. And this is how we can help get to 60 to 65%. And you can see we're kind of tapering, <laughs> this part of the term, we're, we're easing into uh, this, this uh, race week 
or reducing the volume to help um, help our bodies rest. So then the last week is um, probably your le least volume week. I don't have a percentage for you, but it's about three days of running. Typically in all of our plans, it's about three days of running. Um, again, it's that easy middle to um, workout where there's just a little bit of race pace, but typically it's very, very easy. You don't want to run a lot. Um, and then two weeks, I'm sorry, two weeks, two days away from the race itself, instead of running at all, you want to take that day off. And then the day before, you're going to do something really easy, like a 20-minute walk or jog. You don't want to go out for any, um, any level of intensity, just very easy, and that's the day before the race. And really, kind of like a recovery day, what that does is <clears throat> get you on your feet before race day, and it uh, gets all the, all the blood and stuff to your muscles and um, everything to, to help just sort of be ready for race day, nutrients and everything, get to your muscles. So those are basically the three weeks of the marathon taper. And as you can see, it's, it's actually visual in the plans that we have. Um, it's just sort of a, a, a stair step down and the, the stair steps get get smaller and smaller towards the race day. And so by, by the time you get through that last taper week, you're, you should be very rested. You should be ready to go. The one thing I'll say about uh, marathons specifically, since it is three weeks, a, a lot of people have a hard time um, not running or, or reducing their volume that much. I mean, they, they've just built themselves up to running 20 miles, right? So they're, they're feeling really good. And then we're telling people, you know, reduce your volume and reduce your volume. And that's really hard to do because you're not running a lot. So mentally, it's something that people really have to focus on and trust that it, it works. I mean, thousands and thousands of people do this, and it's, it's how you actually end up peaking for a race. It's proven. So you just have to trust it works and, and mentally focus on, you know, the workout at hand. Versus thinking, you know, am I going to be able to run 26 miles on race day? So um, you're not going to lose any level of fitness in that three weeks. So you don't have to worry about that. And um, it actually will help you on race day. <clears throat> That's such a good point, Dan. And it's so easy um, to say it. But, you know, as an athlete, when you've been logging, you know, anywhere from, you know, some, some of these elite runners are logging over 100 miles a week. And when you start talking about volume decreases of 20% and 65%, you know, that's going from 100 miles to 80 to 65 miles. And you're spot on. That mental aspect of training is very important. And um, it, it's always a good reminder that, you know, when you're three weeks away from your race, your best training is already behind you. Anything that you'll try to do between essentially um, three weeks out and you know your race could potentially get you um, in, in trouble from an injury perspective. But it is so hard to do. <laughs> it's so mm -hmm. hard. Yeah, but but that mental aspect is important. And I think you touched on something else too that I thought was key is um, you know you you talked about the volume decrease and I think you imply this but you know you still want to have some pretty good intensity runs there so you stay sharp so you're not you know three weeks 
you're not just going easy for three weeks. You still have some intense runs in there. At least your plans have that baked in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's where you you don't want to overdo it, but you definitely want to keep some level of intensity to help get that mental, you know, you actually feel like you're running. And that's why race pace is important. Uh, you, you would dwindle it down throughout the three weeks, but you still include it so that you can and that's more of a mental factor than a physical factor as well. Yeah, yeah. Cool, good points. Okay, so half marathon, it's very similar, but it's a one less week. And it's actually, it's, little, it's quite a bit different now that I say that out loud, but it's two weeks versus three weeks. And you don't, you still need to taper some, but the emphasis isn't quite as much as it is in the marathon. Um, so again, those stair steps is, uh, looks very similar, uh, at two weeks out, you are typically doing the kinds of workouts you have been doing, but probably about half the volume that you were doing with the exception of the long run. So for example, if you'd been doing uh, tempo runs, if you'd been doing race pace repeats, if you've done any, anything that's at a higher intensity, you can still do that two weeks out but you reduce the volume of that. So it's not as important as it is the marathon to, to take out a lot of that intensity. Um, a, your longest run is typically about eight to 10 miles. So if you're running by time, around hour and 15 minutes or so. And that essentially um, is, makes up the, the, the second to last week of your training. The last week is um, limit your, your faster workouts to about 30% of the volume of that week, or I'm sorry, 30% of the volume they normally are. So, um, you know, reduce it by about 70%. And um, then you want to, very similar to the marathon, you take the, the two days out uh, off completely and then um, 20 minutes of a jog or a walk one day out the day before. Same sort of concept. Um, it's not quite as extended and it's a little easier for people to accept because, you know, you're only doing it for a couple of weeks. You're still keeping a fair amount of the intensity in. Um, and, but it's still very important to be able to peak on race day. So that was a little bit shorter. Uh, what comments do you have about that, Trev? No, that, that's good. Um, again, I think, you know, even though it's two weeks, I think the mental aspect of the half marathon um, you know, based on what you're targeting for your race, you know, you may have had more intense training runs there. And, um, you know, it's easy to hear you talk about it, me say it, but that mental aspect of when you're just tapering for two weeks, um, you know, it's easy to think that you're going to lose your edge, but um, it, it's very important to give your body some time to, to recover and get ready for the big race. Mm-hmm. Yep. So <clears throat> from a nutritional hydration perspective, um, the, there, it's never, I mean, I'll never say that there's any time in your training where it's not important. Um, it's extremely important during your taper because your body is really recovering. It's really adapting. It's really building. So to have the, the best um, nutrients and best level of hydration is important. So um, focus on hydration all the time. You know, a lot of people go to work and, and they make sure they're hydrated for the workout, but they forget sort of rest of the day. So this is a good time to really focus on, 
you know, keeping that glass of water in front of you, sip on it all day. Um, don't just focus on it for a specific time of the day. Um, maximize your nutrition, and that means good quality foods, good quality protein because your body is needing that protein to, um, you know, aid towards the adaption it's going through. Uh, make sure you're getting good fats, the unsaturated and, and polyunsaturated fats um, through like fishes and, and things like that. Um, big focus on micronutrients, so things that you get out of fruits and veggies, especially veggies, dark greens, that sort of thing. We want to make sure and focus on as much of that stuff as we can get because uh, your, your body really needs that right now. Always does, but it really does right now. Um, during the last week or so, especially, um, you know, always check with your doctor if you have issues with sodium levels. But it's not the time typically to cut your salt because your your body's going to need that um, for an extended endurance race. Um, keep your carbs. We've talked about this in the past. Uh, the carb loading thing. Um, more important for the marathon, less important for the half marathon, but um, either way, if you're going to be loading up on carbs, uh, we've talked about this before, don't just do the, you know, slam the, the spaghetti the night before. It's um, normal size meals, increased frequency, so you're increasing your carbs throughout that last week um, to really build up your glycogen stores. So increased frequency, not increased amounts, and, and again, don't go crazy the night before because that'll that'll end up putting you in better or worse position on race day. Um, that's basically the nutritional hydration perspective. So just a few tips, kind of on tapering in general. Um, not a good time to try new things. So I think Travis said he uh, once bought a new pair of shoes or something the night before. Um, during registration, that that's definitely not a good idea. Thanks for bringing that up again. <laughs> Sorry, awesome. it's one of my favorite stories. <laughs> <It's> awesome. <laughs> and, yes. the, and the thing about that story, Dan, was you know it wasn't like it was the first race of my life, and it's just like <laughs> I, I still have no idea, you know, what motivate motivated me to buy those shoes and think that was a good idea. So, um, well. See, you're helping everybody listening. It's just it's a good good uh, story to tell. I'm taking one for the team, right? <laughs> that's, that's right. That's my story. <laughs> <laughs> so not only equipment, but nutritionally, you know, try to keep things the same. If your body, if 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 things have been working for your body, um, outside of you know maximizing your nutrition, what we just talked about, and increasing the good foods, um, don't go try anything um, crazy on on race morning or, or the night before the race. As a matter of fact. I'll tell a story. Um, I, I uh, years ago, I was doing a triathlon. I was going to do a triathlon the next morning, and um, picked up a race packet. And uh, right there, next to where we picked up the race packet, there's this Italian restaurant. And, and my wife and I are like, "Hey, let's go! You know, let's go carb load." So um, <clears throat> this is before I took my training and really learned all this stuff. But we went in there, and I got this. I mean, I've never had. At that time, I had never had goat cheese. <laughs> I'm not sure what made me think to try this, but this huge chicken breast with some goat cheese, something stuffed in it, and all this pasta. And I don't, I can't say for sure it was the meal, but the next morning I woke up at 4 a.m. and I was just, my stomach was just in really bad shape. 
I ended up not going at all because of that. But um, just a good excuse or just a good reason not to try new things yeah. real close to race day and don't don't go crazy on stuffing yourself because I thought that was a good opportunity to do that. Um, a lot of people kind of go out and think um, they go get one of those sports sports massages. Um, save that for after the race. Don't do that uh, within the taper period. Um, I suppose if you've been getting consistent uh, sports massages throughout your training, that might be different. But typically speaking, um, you know, a lot of those sports massages really stimulate a lot of toxins to come out of muscles and places like that. So you might feel really bad or worse, and it can create a lot of muscle soreness and uh, joint soreness. So it's not something you want to do, especially during your last week, but probably not within your taper period at all, um, even though it sounds good. So save it for after the race as maybe a reward or something like that. Um, in an effort to maximize your recovery and, and rest, if, if wherever possible, um, try to avoid anything strenuous. So not a good week to help your friend move or something like that. Um, There's an, is there ever a good week? <laughs> no. <laughs> good point. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, silly things like mowing the grass. You know, if you have kids old enough to do that, pawn it off on them. Or, you know, just, just try to keep yourself, any, any level of um, strenuous activity, try to avoid. Because you're really trying to um, recover everything, especially your muscles. Um, so just try to avoid anything like that. Um, as well, avoid strength training during your taper. Uh, same sort of reasoning. You, you know, even if you've been strength training your whole cycle, uh, you typically want to avoid strength training in, the, in your taper because it, um, you know, puts a little bit more stress in the body and you want to focus on, on recovering. So as well, we talked about harder workouts. Um, basically, I kind of walked you through how we, uh, you know, get rid of those or taper those within the taper period. But, you know, don't, don't go and on your last week do a ton of um, high-intensity workouts. Um, again, don't worry about losing any fitness during this period of time. Takes a lot longer than three weeks for you to lose a significant amount of, of uh, fitness. So, you know that that mental stuff really focus on the mental side and and just know that you're doing the right thing by tapering. And then um, again, my last thing is to focus on the mental aspects. Otherwise, it's a good time for sort of visualizing what you've done in your training, um, knowing that you've done everything right. This is all building up towards race day and will actually help mentally on race day if you can do some of that during your taper period. Uh, so not only you're combating that, that mental feeling of I should be running more, but you're um, aiding in what you'll do on race day as well. Yeah. So I'm not sure. Initially, right before this, we said we have 30 minutes of taper material. I don't know that we did. Yeah, we're about 23 minutes, but that was all good stuff, Dan. I, I mean, it's, um, like I said, there was at least five times this weekend where we talked about, you know, the right approach for tapering. And um, when you started talking about the mental aspects of it, that's where I felt people were coming from. It's like, 
you know, I, you know, I've been putting all, in all this time for some, you know, some of our plans are 28 weeks and now it just feels like, um, I'm not doing as much volume. The intensity's not there and they just really have to trust the plan. And, um, some of your top points around even pre-race nutrition, um, something as little as making sure that, um, and I think we talked about this in one of our podcasts before, but um, it's so important that you know your body gets on a routine. And um, it, sometimes when you travel to these big races, you can't always anticipate when you're going to have your next you know meal or dinner. But make sure that you don't get off of you know off of a cycle where you're eating dinner much later than um, you normally do. Mm-hmm. You, you know, say you eat dinner at nine o'clock for an eight o'clock race, and if your body's not used to that, you can get yourself in trouble pretty early. Um, so all those tips were spot on. Awesome. Um, if you didn't have anything else, I, I know this is really random, um, <laughs> but it could be perfect timing. I have a random runner's world here, but um, something just jumped up on my news feed from Active.com, and I thought we would just—I would read this. Um, and we can have some dialogue because some of these things just happened to me. It says seven things runners can't stand. And I'm going to read the list and maybe we can talk about these things really quick. Mm-hmm. Um, number one, the kid on race day who sprints ahead and then stops in front of you and then sprints again. <laughs> <laughs> we all know that guy. Um, number two, the word <clears throat> jogger. So um, being called a jogger. Um, is a hit to any runner's confidence. Um, number three was the, the car that honks at you. Number four, animals that scare you midway through your run. Um, <laughs> gosh, that, ha- that that happens almost every run for me. I don't know if that's probably more about me than anything. Um, number five, this happened today and it drove me nuts. Your GPS watch dies mid-run. So, <laughs> so today I was... Um, you know, trying to, for two hours and I probably was 15, 20 minutes into this thing and it just went kaput. So luckily I knew my course pretty well, or at least I think I do. Um, number six, losing your keys on a run. Oh man. That's brutal. And number seven, (laughs) this is priceless. Wind that comes from every direction. How does that even happen when you're on the run? (laughs) I mean, I think that's happened to every one of us. It's just like you, you go out and I'm like, oh, this will be at my back on the way back. Not so much. It's, just, <laughs> it's like, how does that happen? Um, it's crazy. But so true. Yeah. Those, that was a pretty good list. I, you know, that just popped up. So um, does that stuff happen to you, Dan? I think it happens to everybody. Um, <laughs> so too. Yeah, I mean... I remember clearly running around my neighborhood several years ago and a dog, I mean, chased me for probably half a mile. Um, Sometimes they never quit and probably affected my, I mean, I know I I wasn't going for a a tempo run or anything, but I know I was going much faster than I was supposed to. Um, Can you, can you kind of go through those again? Yeah. Like number one. Yeah, here they are really quick. I'll just go through order. The kid at race day who sprints ahead then stops in front of you and then sprints again. The word jogger. That car that honks at you. Animals that scare you midway through your run. Number five, your GPS watch dies mid-run. Number six, losing your keys on a run. And number seven, wind that seems to come from every direction. And this is from Active. 
you know, I've never lost my keys, so that one's easy. Um, the kid that sprints stops and then sprints again. Yeah. Um, <laughs> sounds like somebody that has done a lot of speed work and not enough endurance work. That's right. But you got to remember the, the key in there is kid. Yeah. Um, you know, and actually, initially I was putting this something together on running as we age. And I want to do something. I just want to spend more time on it. Because um, there are fact, there's a lot of factors as we age uh, that affect our ability to run fast. So, um, you know, if you have a kid that's doing that, you're just going to have to put up with it very likely. Uh, the one that uh, I can't stand is the GPS watch one. And probably because I'm so much into the data, you know, you want to see the data at the end and, and see how things were. Um, even worse for me is sometimes my watch won't load in the beginning, so I have to go for a run without it. Uh, but I think it's important, it's really important to use those tools as guides and um, an extra, I can't think of the word I was just about to say, but um, they, they shouldn't be the reason you run. They should be sort of accessories to running so that when it does come to the point in time where it does fail, that you're not, you know, it's, it's distracting. You know, you see your, your watch die, and sometimes you're thinking, oh, am I doing the right pace? Am I doing the right this or that? And that's why it's important for you to understand how you feel in certain zones yeah. so that you don't depend on that. Right. Um, the jogger one I wanted to also talk about because, um, you know, I'm not sure why there's a, a, a word jog versus run. To me, it's all running. Um, some people run slower than others. And sometimes we run really slow, uh, like a recovery or something, we call it a jog. But don't let that word get to you. Every, if, if, you're, if you're one of the, the very, still it's a, a small percentage of the population of the world that really runs, um, just call yourself a runner and, and forget the people that call you a jogger. You know what uh, animal's been getting me recently? Um, the trail system we run on by our house, there's, it's lined with these large trees. It's almost like a canopy over the trail. And on almost every morning long run that I've been on the last three weeks, there's just been these big birds. And they're like some kind of hawk. Um, and they're just flying through this canopy. And it's, they, they get so low. And if you're not paying attention, you know, my natural kind of running form, I tend to look about six to 10 feet in front of me. And then every once in a while, I'll kind of glance up and one of these big birds will be coming through the canopy and it just scares the, you know, what out of you. <laughs> and it's just, um, and a funny story about, you know, Tom West, we've had Tom on this show, um, once or twice, a couple years ago, we were running at Eagle Creek Park here in the Midwest and he had one of the headlamps on. And we were out super early in the morning, and we think that it was a, a, a big owl that came by and plucked the night, you know, his lamp off of his head. And all, all we saw was this light flying off into the sky. It was, you know, and it, actually, it was set to flash. So it was flying off into the distance. Talk about the most bizarre thing. And I know, like, everyone listening is like, you made this up, but... If you Google, like, owl attacks on, on Google, I bet you would find similar stories, owl attacks to runners, because shortly after that happened, Tom and I did that research, and it's more common than people think. But, boy, talk about scary that morning. 
<laughs> but yeah, it's um, crazy stuff. Crazy stuff. What does an owl want with a flashlight? Is what I want to know. <laughs> yeah, we wanted to know what he was doing with that. So, <laughs> so all right. Well, you know, in the beginning of this episode was the worst teaser ever about these T-shirts, and I apologize. So, <laughs> let, let's talk about these tees. So, tell us a little bit, um, Dan, about how this works, and I can chime in too. Yeah, I. I uh, was, we got a couple, three emails about people saying, hey, we like what you're doing. We want to support what you guys are doing. Do you have T-shirts? And we've been talking about doing something like this for a while. You know, we've done a small amount of coffee mugs, but uh, things like that just because it's fun. But um, I had found a, uh, a couple T-shirts on Facebook, of all places, um, that, I, that I really liked myself. And so I found that website. And basically what it is, is called Teespring, and you can create a shirt and you can um, sell your shirt. And so that's what we, we tried to do. And it's, it's actually kind of addicting to think about different things you can put on a T-shirt. The first one we did was because, or I run because I can, you should too. And I really like that concept because it, you know, it, it tells people, you know, why you run. And it also tries to get people to, to run as well. And so that, that's a pretty cool T-shirt. And then, um, Travis, I'll let you talk about the one you just created. But, um, I, you know, it's fun to create them, if nothing else, and uh, inspire other people to run. And um, we're going to keep trying this. We're going to keep creating some T-shirts for people to check out. And I did put on, um, on our website RunFit365 gear underneath the resources page. So as we create these T-shirts, in addition to them being on Facebook and Twitter and places like that, you can always see kind of what we have out there on that page. But you want to talk about the one you created? Yeah, sure. And I was going to talk about the campaign concept too because I think mm -hmm. it's really cool and it's something unique. But um, essentially each one of these shirts will have a shelf life of anywhere between, you know, 7 to 10 to 20 days based on how long we um, set the campaign for. But um, I like that concept because it helps, you know, set goals and drives people to the shirt. And it, you know, each shirt essentially is fairly unique. Um, the other shirt that you'll see out there, if you go to, like Dan said, resources and then run fit 365 gear, um, was a design based off of one of our most popular Instagram photos. And it was just a simple photo of it had a coffee cup and it had um, a French press and I think it had a Garmin watch next to it and um, the the sub caption of that said post run awesomeness because it was right after a long run had finished and you know you're just sitting down to enjoy your favorite beverage or a cup of coffee and um, we thought that we'd make that a, into a shirt and got tons of good feedback on the design. It's a very simple design. Um, it's got a little coffee mug and then it, under the mug it says post-run awesomeness. So um, we'll play around with some of these fun designs and if you guys have ideas around, oh, wouldn't it be cool if, um, send us those ideas and we'll play around with t-shirts, you know, t-shirt designs. Um, like Dan said, it's pretty fun and it's addicting and um, it's a way to help run Fit365 and um, get some cool shirts too that's for sure mm-hmm so what I missed Dan I don't I think you you caught the things that I wasn't thinking of so I'm not sure there is anything else on t-shirts cool 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 um, if you've got questions again Facebook Twitter 
um, contact us at support at runfit365.com. Um, I think Dan responds to emails within like seconds. I don't know how you do it, but um, <laughs> it's phenomenal customer service, and we just love hearing from you guys. So um, however you want to connect with us, please do, um, and we'll, we're happy to talk about this stuff on our podcast too. Um, Dan, anything before we wrap up episode 25 here? Uh, other than, um, you know, we're always looking for uh, good material as well. So if you've got ideas about things we're not covering, please let us know. That's really helpful. Yeah. But other than that, no, I don't have anything else. Perfect. On three, happy training, okay? One, you, two, three. Happy Happy training. training. <laughs>